Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Let me encourage you. If you're not a note taker, try tonight. Try taking notes. Um, The idea of the notes, and I share this every time because again, you got to remember our church is constantly grown. We constantly have new people. We do have guests here tonight. By the way, my name is Ken, Pastor Ken Westerman. I'm the executive pastor over all the ministerial aspects of this church. Again, our senior pastor, Don uh, Duncan, is in the other room, and he will be back this Sunday. So if you want to come back and meet him and hear him preach, you want to do that. Um, The reason I have notes is because you learn better. It keeps you focused. How many have ever found yourself fading as somebody's talking to you? And all husbands said... (laughs) Oh, that was awesome. Some of the husbands were like, hey, man, oh, oh. see, I, I, I pulled all you guys into that. We, we all do it. We, we all have um, an attention span, and they say, this is a study that they've done, they say that it's shorter than ever, the adult attention span. Now, we know those who have young kids, how many know your kids, young kids, have a very short attention span? How many parents want to attest to that? Is that true? Well, that, that spills over in, even into us as adults. They say in a new study that I, as adults, our attention span is within the seconds, not no longer minutes. It's within the seconds. In other words, it's less than a minute. And what they, they, they attribute that to is technology. How I many of you got to pay attention to more things today than I know when I did as a kid? Right? I mean, your phone goes off, your email on your phone goes off, your Twitter, Twitter goes off on your phone, your Facebook goes off on your phone, then you got your iPad, and then you got your computer with the email. There's just more drawing and demanding of our attention and focus than ever before. So the idea of old-fashioned typed notes for you to fill in blanks is to keep you focused because we're always wanting to be students of the word of God. How many here you believe you're a student of the word of God? Let me see your hands. I hope every one of you raise your hand, unless you're here tonight and you've yet to give your life to Jesus, but you've been thinking about it, we're gonna give you opportunity. But you, you, all of us must not only start out as students of the Bible, because I've seen where a lot of Christians are brand new, Christians are excited about the Bible because they don't know really anything about the Bible. Then they learn and they consume and they consume and they learn. And then over the years, that passion, listen, that passion begins to fade because they feel that they have an adequate amount of information and knowledge and training about the Bible in them. But how many know that's not true? The reason being is because God's word's eternal. And the truths, the eternal truths of God's word continues to go on, meaning that you can think that you got the full interpretation of a Bible verse today, but that Bible verse, the word of God is alive, not the pages of the Bible, but the, the content of truth of that, that particular uh, verse is alive. It's, it goes on and on and on, meaning it reveals the heart of God. How many know the heart of God is continuum? The knowledge of God is continuum. I mean, he never stops knowing. So you may have 
what you think is full uh, interpretation of a verse today and you go back a year later and read that verse and get more to it. So I'm saying all this, you're like, some of you are like, please get to the message and shut up. <laughs> I'm saying all this because this, I'm a teacher, number one, and I will teach and I will ramble and I can ramble all night about this and never get to my message. But I'm doing this because it's on my heart and I know the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit's my best friend. And I know him very well. I've been walking with him for about 33 years. And I know when he stops me before I get to my teaching or during my teaching or tells me don't even teach it. And I've had that happen. Try that sometime. Get all prepped, come up here. The Holy Spirit says, I didn't even want you to teach that. Well, thank you, Holy Spirit. And he's like, I was trying to get your attention all day and the day before when you were preparing, you just weren't listening. Try that sometime, amen. But I'm saying this because there's some folks here tonight, you need to hear that. You're brand new in the Lord or you're kind of stifled maybe in your growth and your passion for the Lord. And I will take five minutes to encourage you. Amen. For your other folks that that word wasn't for you, how many know that was good anyways? Come on, encourage the people around you and encourage, encourage them around you because we need to come to church and be taught. We need to be encouraged, but we also need to come to church and be reminded. Amen? So with that in mind, let's go to our notes. Our notes. Waiting on God. This is part two. Again, if you were here two Sundays ago, and I know this is kind of odd for a series, because normally a series isn't broken up a couple weeks or a week, and then you get back to it. But we had to do that just for scheduling reasons. But two Sundays ago, I preached part one of this, you have that on your notes. If you look at your type notes, everything that's, all the blanks that are filled in is what I preached two Sundays ago. Where we're gonna start here in a, in a moment is if you look on your notes, you'll see where it says 20 facts about waiting on God. 20 facts about waiting on God. That's where in a moment now, notice I said, because some of you already turned there and I probably shouldn't have done that because I'm going to have you look at a quote at the beginning of these notes. But just so you know, for your reference, that's where we're going to in a moment begin the filling in blanks and teaching. But I think it would do us an injustice if I did not recap a little bit from what we taught two Sundays ago. So even though you folded your notes to the 20 facts about waiting on God, I need you to go back to the beginning of your notes. See how it keeps you awake? It's working already. So at the beginning of your notes, very top of your notes that you were handed, Lamentations chapter three, verse 26, it says right there on your notes, it is good that one should hope and what? Wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. What we talk, taught on that Sunday was that waiting for the salvation of the Lord. Salvation of the Lord isn't just him forgiving of your sins and receiving you as his child and washing clean of all your wrongdoing and making you truly a child of God and he becoming your heavenly father. That's the beginning of it. Most important decision you, you can ever make. But salvation, is, it goes on and on and on throughout your life, meaning this. Salvation meaning the blessings, simply the blessings. Everybody say the blessings. Salvation, intertwined in salvation, is the blessings of the Lord. How many like to be blessed by God? Now, be, now I know that's a little cliche-ish, but let's be honest. Again, one more time, because I wasn't paying attention. See how ADD I am? How many like to be blessed by the Lord? How many love it? Okay. 
If you're here tonight and you may not know what that is, stick around. Keep coming to church. Keep hanging out with the folks that raise their hand. You'll learn about what it means to be blessed by the Lord. Let me tell you something. You will be hooked. The blessings of God is simply this. Because I've had people over the years say, how do you define the blessings of God? Simply put, it's the ability of God helping you. The ability of God helping you. How many know we all have ability? If you want a refrigerator moved at your house, are you going to call on this, this young lady here who seems healthy, she could probably move it, right? Or are you gonna call on this stout young man right here? So raise your hand right there, go ahead, all right. Which one are you gonna call on to remove that ref- refrigerator? Please look at him and say you, don't do that to him. Why? Everybody say ability. So we got our ability in life. We all have some ability in life to figure out problems, do this, do that, work things out, all that. But we got God's ability at hand. How many, come on, this isn't a trick question. Whose ability we want to call on? (laughs) So you want the blessings of God. That's God's ability to enter intertwine into your life and bless you and help you. It says so that we can wait quietly. Sometimes though, according to this text scripture, waiting for God's ability to help us doesn't always come in our time. It doesn't always come when we look at the watch and say, God, you're two minutes late. How many wanna help me out tonight? Have you ever had that happen to you? And then, listen, everybody look at me. Then the wondering begins. Man, I wonder if God even heard me. I bet you God's so busy with China, he forgot about me. Ah, he didn't really, listen, he didn't really want to bless me anyways. You know what? I've been kind of messing up, lady. I bet he's mad at me. I bet I'm not worthy because of what I did 22 years ago to my mama or whatever. How many are following me? So what happens is when the salvation of the Lord doesn't come at our watch, we begin to wonder. And I've seen Christians literally give up and quit in those seasons of waiting. Has burdened my heart for years. And I see it consistently over the years. But it's a burden of mine, it's a passion of mine to be able to teach so that we can help ourselves in those waiting seasons. Because there's not one person here tonight breathing that is exempt of a waiting season. There's no such thing as pull the lever and the blessings of the Lord and the ability of God comes out the machine. God's not a genie in the bottle where you rub it, God. God comes out, yes, my child. And you grant your wish, poof, there's your blessing. Doesn't work that way. How many have found that out so far? How many, it frustrates the mess out of you? Come on, help me out. Sure, because there's, listen, there's the the season of we ask of the Lord, of what we believe is his will according to the Bible. We ask and request 
of that petition or that blessing, that ability of God to help us. In between, that's called the waiting season until it comes to fruition. It's that in between waiting season that most Christians quit, especially when it's something of great magnitude or it's one little thing after another that seems to not be coming to pass and that they're waiting not only for this, they're waiting for that, they're waiting for this and all of a sudden the list is this long. How many are with me tonight? So what we do is we present that list to the Lord. We say, God, where you been? But my burden is to teach you, and if you weren't here two Sundays ago, you go to our website, you pull that up, buy the CD, whatever you gotta do, take that part of this teaching and match it to tonight because you're gonna need it. Because listen, the key in success of Christianity is learning how to wait and come out the other side successful. Because the Bible says the crowns of God, this is what I shared two Sundays ago, but I need to repeat it. The Bible says the true crowns that we're gonna receive in heaven, rewards, are really for those, mostly for those who've learned to stand strong and stand tall and not give up, not waver. Everybody say perseverance. Everybody say endurance. So with that in mind, let's go to our notes. Here we go, 20 facts about waiting on God. Number one fact, your schedule does not obligate God to change his timing. (laughs) Your schedule does not obligate God to change his timing. How many are so excited that that's the very first fact? How many that made you even matter? More frustrated. But if you get that, that's why it's the number one fact, if you get that, you'll live a life of peace even when you're waiting. You'll live a life of joy even when you're waiting. Even when life seems to be crashing around you and the list of, of what you're petitioning, have petitioned the Lord for and what you're believing for seems to grow and nothing's coming to pass. If you get that, you will live a life that'll blow your mind. Because God got everything figured out and you just gotta learn to trust that. His timing's perfect. It's not skewed. It's not messed up. And he's never late. God is always on time. And God in his mastermind knows exactly when to bring a pass, whatever you, his ability, blessing in your life when you need it. Because there are times God wants you to squirm. There are times God wants you to sweat. (laughs) There are times God wants you in that waiting room of life because in those moments, we taught all this two Sundays ago, there's a mega of reasons why. Because he wants to teach you. And let me tell you something, not only... (laughs) Help me, Lord. Not only does he want to teach you about life, he wants to mostly teach you about you. How many love me? Do you really love me? He wants to teach you about you, things that he sees about you, because, see, God already sees you as the, as the end result of what he created you to be, 
And what we typically see is the temporary things that we do that aren't Christ-like, that aren't who God created us to be, the stuff, the junk, the things that we all have in life of who we are. And God says, I see that, but I see the end result of who you really are. I see you complete, in other words, without all that stuff. So what God does is in those waiting room seasons of life, he wants to reveal some of that stuff and really make it revealed and really make it known, if you will, to you. Because our tendency is to ignore those things. Not, not, not nobody here tonight. This is just other people that you and I know. <laughs> ah, or, or how about this one? This is, this is typically my favorite. Ah, I'm not that bad, Lord. Is it really that bad? Nah. How many are with me? Number two, your waiting may be painful. <laughs> I just have to laugh on that one. How many know it's true? Your waiting may be painful. How many have ever gone to a hospital, especially an emergency room, and you're in the waiting room and you're in pain, but they ain't got to you yet? Let me ask you a question. Just because they haven't got to you yet, do you leave? Why? Though you're in pain, you know you're in the right place at the right time and they're preparing for you. Oh, come on now, that's really good thought right there. Now if that don't set some of you free, See, you've got pain, you call on God, you expect just like when you run into an emergency room, they're all stop, drop, and roll and take care of you. Now, I know if it's a life and death situation, I get that. There's levels of emergency, levels of care, and our God is even wiser and he'll take care of you in those extreme moments. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But to us, a lot of things are life and death and they really ain't life and death. Like my English? But to us, they're up here, and to God, they're down here. But God, do you know the pain I'm in? Sure, child, sure, daughter, sure, son, I know the pain you're in. But God, <laughs> I understand. How many, how many are with me? Some of you are like, I wish it wouldn't came tonight. <laughs> your waiting may be painful. Remember, seed, time, that's your blank right there, and then harvest. Seed is the moment you ask the Lord for something according to his word. That's, that faith statement, that petition, that prayer in faith that you just prayed is a seed because words are seeds, that's what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says God's word is an incorruptible seed. So when you speak a prayer, you just planted a seed, and no seed instantly grows overnight, so there's harvest that you're waiting for, obviously, but there's time in between. Let's go on, number three. You may lose your harvest because of the pain of waiting. I've seen people give up because of the pain 
of waiting, but you've got to envision, everybody look at me, you've got to envision that the Lord heard your prayer, knows of your pain, and the whole time, just like an emergency room, behind the scenes of which you can't see, the Lord's been working and prepping for your recovery, for your blessing, or whatever it is. Number four, waiting is burdensome. I said that two Sundays ago. How many love to wait in line at a store or Walmart or whatever? No, you don't. None of us do, right? Waiting is burdensome. Remember, it can't, waiting can breed agitation and a critical spirit. Uh-oh. What do you think that means, critical spirit? Think about that. You can get, I've seen where people, believers, Christians in their waiting room season of life, seeing other Christians getting blessed. Well, bless God. They got theirs. <laughs> what about mine? Oh, they think there's something. How many are following me? You can become critical of yourself. Oh, I probably didn't pray hard enough. If I just pray a little harder and a little longer, Jesus is going to finally come through. Critical spirit. See, a sign to me is when others are, and it could be the exact same thing I'm believing for. They come up and say, man, God blessed me can with boom. And it's exactly the same type of thing I'm believing for. You know, I've learned a sign. If I don't quickly go, praise God, that's awesome, man. Woo. And then it encourages me thinking, hey, that means mine is on the way. Or I catch myself. Say what? I'm in my mind. I'm thinking, say what, man? Man, God, you know how long. Oh, really? What a blessing. And I walk away going, come on, God. That's one of my signs. That's how I know. Repent. Repent, Ken. Repent. Always rejoice when somebody else is rejoicing. Always get excited over somebody else's blessing because they've been in the waiting room too. And that should encourage you. Look what God will do if you learn how to sit and wait the right way in the waiting room. Because they obviously... Listen, they obviously endured their waiting season and came out the other side blessed and successful. And what we need to do is say, hey, come here. What are you doing tomorrow? I'm buying you lunch because tell me about your blessing. Tell me what you went through. Tell me what you learned through this. Because I'm sure, Billy Bob, I'm sure, it's Billy Bob right now. I'm sure you just didn't pray for this thing yesterday and it came to pass today. Now, sometimes that happens and that's very rare. Amen? Think on this. Unthankfulness brings a curse, not a reward. Number five, ingratitude does not inspire God to hasten the harvest. Num look at our next thought question. Are you willing to fight to trust God while in the season of waiting? You've got to get a, a warrior spirit about you. That blessing is mine. What I asked of the Lord, matter of fact, if you're not one who journals your prayer life, you need to consider doing that. That's a key to great warfare, by the way. 
Because when I ask God for things specifically, now I'm talking specifically, every day I'm believing God for favor. Every day I believe God for health in my body. Every day I believe God for wisdom and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is my confession daily. But there are specific things that I ask God for. They are specific. I write them down. I date it. And then I go into the waiting room season. And I've learned to journal throughout that waiting season. While I'm in the waiting room, I've learned to journal because God's doing all kinds of stuff in me throughout that, just like I'm teaching you. Journal that stuff. You'll marvel over what you'll learn about you. You'll marvel over the mastermind of God. You'll look at from the moment you ask specifically for something, for the ability of God to intervene in your life, and you'll look over that waiting room season, you look at all of that, and all of a sudden, boom, there's the blessing. So from the time you ask to the blessing, you'll look at all your journaling, and you go, whoo, God has been at work. He didn't forget about me. He does deem me as worthy so much. Look at all the work that God, see we, God help me. We forget how much work God puts into this. And then we start blaming him. You forgot about me. God's like, say what? I, I, I think he says that. He probably don't. <laughs> but I, I like to, this is how the Lord and I talk, by the way. This is my relationship with the Lord. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, you're probably like, say what, son? I ain't been doing nothing. Boy, get, get your butt over here. Let me show you something. Excuse me for saying butt. Get, get your butt over here. Let me show you something. Just like he did it to Daniel. Read it in Daniel. Daniel asked, petitioned the Lord for something. Angel went to work. Archangel went to work. For 21 days, man, the thing came to pass, and Daniel's like, where, where you been? The angel's like, sweating, bleeding from war. He's like, excuse me? What do you mean where I been? Peeled back the natural realm, showed him into the spiritual realm, and said, boy, I've been, I've been fighting for you for 21 days. You better shut your mouth. <laughs> How many are with me? Fighting spirit. Never give up. There's certain things I've asked years ago. They haven't come to pass. I refuse to give up. I'm telling you, man. Okay, back to the message. Six, your anger does not intimidate, intimidate God to speed up his schedule. How many have ever tried the expressing anger to the Lord mode? God? Where are you? I'm so mad at you. I'm so mad I'm not reading my Bible for three days. I'm so mad I'm not even going to church tonight. How many have ever tried that? You get angry with God. You think God goes, oh, man, Ken, he getting mad. I, this is the Father God. Jesus, we better get to work because Ken's getting all mad. No, this is, this, see, this is what God does. This is with me. He like, oh, look, Jesus, come over here. Look at how mad he's getting. It's working. Look at this. Woo, you know what? I know we were going to do it tomorrow. Let's wait one more day. Ha, <laughs> ha. Uh, number seven. He decides when you deserve and qualify the harvest he's already promised. He decides. Read it in Isaiah 55, starting with verse 8. He decides. The Bible says in the right season. 
because it goes on to say in those verses, you can read it later, but I'm paraphrasing. It goes on to say in those verses, his ways aren't your ways, his thoughts aren't your thoughts. And when God sends the rain, he sends the rain because he wants the harvest at the right time. And there's, again, not good English, but it's just the, the moment of tonight and ain't nothing you can do about it. Number eight, keep your excitement about your harvest. Isaiah 55, verse 12, a continuum of the verses above, 8 through 11, verse 12. For you shall go out with joy, be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. Number nine, God will replace every financial disaster with a financial miracle. But you've got to believe it. Some of you didn't, you didn't see what, what, what you've got to believe this. Look at this right here. Because see, some of you don't believe that. Let me read it to you. God will replace every financial disaster with a financial miracle. If you do it right in the waiting room season of life. Because some of you here tonight, you're going through some financial crisis. If you learn what we're teaching and apply, learn in that waiting room season that you're in right now, because you're uncomfortable. Learn some things. Learn these principles. Because you're going to come out the other side blessed financially. And, and I know some of you right now, some religious thinking may be going through your mind. Oh, God doesn't bless everyone financially. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Read my lips. I feel like I'm going, running for president. No new taxes. No. <laughs> That's a lie from the pit of hell. Now, not everyone is going to be blessed at the same level. But God wants you blessed financially. He's no dummy. It takes money to run the gospel and preach the gospel. When was the, did, you get, did you get in your car tonight and that gas you put in there to get here, was that gas free? Are these lights free? How many like those lights? Are they free? To preach the gospel's not free. We, the body of Christ, fund the preaching of the gospel. Of course he wants you blessed financially. Kick that mess out of your mind. Amen. You need to shout, get excited over that. She's tired of that junk being said and expressed. Well, God may want you poor. <laughs> Number 10, you must refuse to permit words of discouragement in your mouth. Quit saying stuff. Like I started at the beginning, God forgot about me, I'm not worthy, oh, it ain't gonna come to pass. No, stop that. That's just like you in the emergency room saying, oh, they're never gonna get to me, never gonna get to me. No, they're prepping, they're gonna get to you. Remember, don't release words that encourage your enemy. You, have an, you and I have an adversary that are, is watching us. The devil's real, he's watching you. Listen, if anything, in your waiting room season of life, from the time you ask your seed moment of asking for the blessing, the ability of God in your life to the time it actually comes to pass, when you're in that waiting season, in that waiting room season of life, that's the devil's favorite season for you. He's more observant, listen, 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 listen. If we don't learn this, he he's more observant of us in that waiting room season of life than we are of our own selves. You must be very attentive in that waiting room season of life. That's where you must become your most keen in awareness of you in life, God, learning moment. That's why when everything's really great in my life, and I know this sounds so 
super spiritual, and, and, and it's not. Because you get to know me, you're going to be like, hey, God blesses you, Guess he, he actually does bless you. <laughs> Just when everything's really good in life, sometimes it's like, okay, all right, Lord. Have I really been asking you for what I really should be asking you for? Have I become loosey-goose in my faith walk? I need to up my game and start petitioning for the Lord for things that are really big and, and important in life because I've become comfortable. How many are following me? Does that make sense? Because listen, we should always be believing God. So you're saying, Ken, should, should you always be in the waiting room season of life? Not typically, but for longevity, not good. Because you should always be believing God for something and waiting for it to come to pass. Look at this next thought. Think on this, victims get attacked, don't act like a victim. You know, how many have ever done a self-defense class? Anybody done self-defense, ladies especially, self-defense? You should do it, take a couple classes, teach you self-defense. Meaning like if you go into a parking lot at night and you go to unlock your car and somebody may wanna, you know, whatever, do whatever. They teach you, one of the first things they teach you is always appear as though you're attentive and always be looking around and always alert. Doesn't scripture tell us to do that? All right, let's take a side journey. And by the way, we're not gonna finish our notes tonight. Surprise! <laughs> Folks here, new, new here to the church are like, he, I don't like him, no. What I meant by that is those who here who've heard me teach know that we're not gonna finish the notes. But how many know part three? Can we do part three? Okay. Let me show you something then. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. Look at verse seven. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's those moments that you petition the Lord and you take all your worry, all your anxiety, all your fretfulness, and you lay that at the Lord's feet and you petition him to come with his ability to help you what you're worrying over, right? Verse eight, be sober. Turn to your neighbor, say, that's not what you think. Go ahead, tell him. Be sober. Be sober is just like what I was saying a moment ago. When you take a self-defense class, they'll teach you, when you're walking down the street or walking in the parking lot to your car, you don't look down like this, you're not looking at your phone you're looking around. Because the more aware you are of your surroundings, anybody who wants to do harm, and I know the Lord protects us, but how many know there's always wisdom involved as well? When somebody wants to do harm to you and they see you attentive, they can't sneak up on you. They'll leave you alone. Did you hear what I just said? Now let's take this into the spiritual realm. When you're in your waiting room season of life and the devil sees you attentive, sober, look at the next part, vigilant, He's going to be like, oh. Ken isn't letting the waiting room season of life get to him and dumb him down spiritually. He's actually becoming more alert, more aggressive spiritually in his faith. He's becoming more aggressive and daring to believe his father, God. Look at this, what it says. Because the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may what? Look at verse nine. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Let me paraphrase that. Resist him, 
steadfastly while you're in the waiting room season of life because that waiting room season of life is the faith season. When the, when the, when the miracle and the blessing comes to, to pass, no more faith is needed. Faith is needed when you're waiting for it to come to pass. When you can't see it, can't touch it, can't feel it. When you're in that waiting room, that's your faith season. Look what it says. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by those sitting right next to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you going through the same thing? Go ahead, tell them. People you don't know, go ahead, tell them. Look around, look around, look around, look around. You going through the same thing? Yeah. Everyone who breathes goes through a waiting room season of life more than once, as I stated at the beginning. Every time you ask God for something, you're going to go into a waiting room season because it never instantly comes to pass, typically. But I love verse 10, but may the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After, look at verse 10. I'm going to prove this to you about what I've taught in some of these notes. Look what it says. After you have suffered a while. Remember what I told you about me and the Lord? God the Father turning to Jesus. Look at, look at Ken down there sweating. This is awesome. Wait two more days. Let him suffer a little bit more. See, that's hard for us because we're like, but he's my heavenly dad. He loves me. Come on, parents. You don't do those kind of things to your kids. Yes, you do. When you're trying to teach your kids certain things that you know is a skill that they need for life, what do you do? You put them through that waiting room season. You let them suffer a little bit. More. Parents, help me out. Come on now. See, because see, you don't want to admit to that because now all of a sudden you're starting to see God as that. He's our heavenly dad. See, of course he loves us. Yeah, but I thought he was this ooey gooey God that loves us and just gives in to everything I ask for and he just gives it to me right then and there like a parent who spoils their child. Our heavenly dad knows what's best for us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.